Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Read, uh, I want to read one verse and then we'll pray and then you can be, uh, you can be seated. Turn with me or just read on the screen. Uh, let's read Joel 2.28. It's something that we always jump to. So it's a good starting place. So this is a Joel and his speaking to the church. Like I say, we've quoted it. I'm sure you can quote it by heart, but let's quote it one more time. He says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Now let's pray. God of heaven, we love you today. We love and we thank you. And Father, most of all, we thank you for this word. God, I thank you for what it means to us, for it is the very lifeblood of our soul. God, we ask you to touch us this day, anoint us, anoint every bit of ministry, Lord God, that I go forth today. We need you, God. Father, we can't do it on our own, Lord God. We lack so much in our own ability, Lord God, but we, with your holy anointing, God, you can give us the words of wisdom and knowledge that we need. Touch us, God. Strengthen us. Open our hearts and our minds. God, we magnify you and praise you and thank you for your goodness and gracious you bestow upon us. Touch us and we'll thank you for it this day. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Thank you very much for standing. Hallelujah. One of the things that I want to say is basically... The only way I can relate to what I have to say is just from my perspective. That's what um, years ago when I was speaking to the group of men here, this is just the way I worded it. I just used the simple analogy of, of David and Goliath. I said everyone has heard of David and Goliath, so to speak, but what they haven't heard is from your perspective. So that's only what I can do is, is give you what I feel the Lord gives me, but it's from my perspective. And that's what makes us unique. We're all different personalities. I mean, we're all the same. You can, basically, we could look at that wall and say, what color is that wall? And we would get a lot of different answers. So that's how the Lord deals with, deals with us. He deals with us as individuals. We have a common goal. We have a common purpose. We have a common doctrine, so to speak. That's what I love about the Bible, and that's why I relate it. And where the Bible talks about, it comes in, and that's why I refer to this as the benchmark. And why I do that because of my building experience. When we come in, when we establish a benchmark, it's everything from that point on. Everything of that job is related to the benchmark. You don't go back and just say, well, let's go outside and see where the soffit is. No, everything goes back to the benchmark. The benchmark is a horizontal 
level plane. And so in our world with everything different and everything is changing, we have to have something established. No matter how crooked or how downhill or uphill our life gets, go back to the benchmark. It will not move. It will not change. And then he, the Lord even talks about the plumb line. The plumb line is vertical. That relates so much to me of my relationship with God. When I want to know what do I do concerning of my relationship with God, go back to the benchmark. It teaches me about the plumb line. So everything I need to know, I can come in and I can study. And I do not just have to hear this word when I'm at church. I can go home, hide myself away, open this holy word, and have God feed my soul and have God feed your soul. All you've got to do is open this. That's why it's called daily bread for nourishment that we open up. And it's no matter what's going on. Go back to the benchmark, for it has not moved. I don't care what the world is saying. I don't care what the ministries of the world is saying. This benchmark hadn't moved. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It will not change. It is the same. The doctrine is still the same, and it will not move. And that is an anchor that we need. We don't have to stand and scratch our head and say, I wonder, does God still really mean that? Does he still demand that of us? Does he still want us to do this or do that? Yes, absolutely. If it's in this holy word, he still demands it. He still wants it. So that takes, can I just say, the pressure off of us of wondering what to do? We know what to do, for it has not changed. And if there's someone outside telling us, you know God really don't demand all that of you. Why are you doing all that? I can't believe you go to that church. Said, I don't know what voice you're listening to, but the voice we listened to hadn't changed. His voice is still the same. The benchmark is still the same. So this is why I started in Joel. This is why I started here. Now, the reason I went to this is Joel 2.28 is what we always jump to. Now, what I want you to focus with me is a first phase of, of that verse, it just literally says, and it shall come to pass afterward. We always go to that. Today, for a few minutes, what I want to talk about is what is happening before all this happens. So now, what I want to do, I'm, I'm going to do, and, and as I've said before, I asked of you very little when I'm behind this pulpit. I'm one, and I'll just tell it to you plain. He's preaching, another preacher, leave me alone. I want to listen. So I ask very little of you. All I'm going to ask of you, all I'm going to do right now, is I want to read you two verses. <laughs> These verses mean a lot to me. So I want you to do is just listen, and then I'll put them on the screen. But And what it is, Moses is standing up looking back to the children of Israel. And what this analogy is right now is they're looking back in time. And Moses is saying, do not forget. Remember everything that God did. So Moses in his writings in the book of Deuteronomy, he's telling them, remember, remember this day where you're at. Do not forget. But what I want you to do, this is word pictures. What I want you to do is just try to capture the words 
that Moses is telling Israel right now. For as now of the days that are past, which were before thee since the day that God created man upon the earth, and as from one side of heaven unto the other, where there has been any such as great thing as this, or hath it been heard like this? Did ever people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire that thou hast heard and lived? Now, we can put it on the screen. It's Deuteronomy 4 and 32. Now, just follow along. For as now of the days that are past, which were before thee, since the day that God created man upon the earth, and as from one side of heaven to the other, whether thou hast been any such thing as great thing as this, or has it been done like this? Now, 33. Did ever people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire? As thou hast heard and lived. Now, we know Moses wasn't talking about, in, in 32, we know Moses wasn't talking about heaven as we would know it. He's talking about the heavens. Now, I tried to look up some commentary on this, and naturally everything that I'm interested in, I can't find nothing on. So this is just the way I think. So this is what I get out of this verse. He says, ask now, go back, remember everything that God has done for you. Since the day that God created man on the earth. And then he says, asked from one side of heaven to the other. To me, he's just saying, just circle the earth and just see if this has been done before. You won't find it being done before. And then he said, just asked if it's ever been done before. You won't find it being done, and you won't find nobody that's even heard of this being done before. But you, Israel, God chose you, and this he has done unto you. So do not forget this. No one has ever heard the voice of God speaking out of the fire and live to tell about it. But you, Israel, have heard this. So therefore, he said, just go ahead, circle the earth, see what you can find. It is unto you, Israel, that God chose to do this. So he says, just look. Go back to the beginning and just search man all the way up to now and go from one side of heaven unto the other. You will not find it. You will not find it. He said, just ask. Circle the earth. It ain't been done. It has not been done. So he says, do not forget what God has brought you from. We are a blessed people. We cannot take it for granted what God has done for us. The miracles, every time God has touched us, it is not how hard we've got it. It is look what God has done for us. It is not look what we're going through or look how hard we have it. It is look what God has done for us. Moses is telling them, 
He went to the iron furnace in Egypt and brought you out of it. And then he's saying, look at all the miracles that he went through to get you here today. And then he's just saying, when you just sit down and you feel like giving up, circle the earth. See if this has been done before. It hadn't been done before. And when you fail at that, just ask if anybody has even heard of this being done before. You won't find them. They're not there. You are a privileged people. And when you get to feel that you're not a privileged people, you've missed it. You have missed it. Go from one side of heaven to the other. You won't find them. I'm telling you, it's still the same way today. It's still the same way today. There is people everywhere that's claiming this. But I'm telling you, go from one side of heaven to the other. Circle the earth and just see how precious you really are in the sight of God. I'm telling you, we are precious in the sight of God. For just as Moses stood and told them, it has not been done before, and you won't even hear of nobody that's done it before. I'm telling you, I love them two verses. For it speaks of mercy and of just what God would do to his people. We look in the mirror and sometimes we doubt ourselves. We just doubt what God really would see in us. And the love and his compassion and mercy that he extends to us. And just do not forget them. Moses said, just circle the earth. Just circle the earth. Go from one side of heaven to the other. It hadn't been done. It hadn't been done. Now, I want to read. Just I'm going to go back to Joel in, in 27. That's why I said 28. It shall come to pass afterward. 27. Look with me in 27. He said, you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord. I am the Lord, your God, and none else. And my people, my people shall never be ashamed. He's telling them, here it is, 2014. And if this verse was relevant then, it's still relevant now. We're still fighting this. We're still fighting this. Idolatry is still everywhere. It is still just like you would say. We're still screaming from the pulpit. There's only one God. God is telling them then. There's idols everywhere. Don't look nowhere else. I'm God and I'm God alone. I'm God enough for your problems. Don't look nowhere else. I am God. I am in the midst. I'm in your midst. I'm not in their midst. I'm in your midst. And I'm God and I am the Lord, capital uh, L-O-R-D, I am the Lord Jehovah, your God, and none else. And don't look nowhere else. I'm God, and I'm God enough for you, he was telling them. And he said, and my people shall never be ashamed. Where that was coming in, God had chastised them earlier. We're going to get to that. He had chastised them. And then basically, the, everybody prayed and fasted. They called a solemn assembly. And the Lord just basically said, enough's enough. I've had enough. My people from here on will not be ashamed. You put your confidence in me. You fast. You pray. You do what you should. You pray and you ask of me. You need something, you let me know. My people, my people will never be ashamed. And I believe that is still relevant, truly relevant today. He was telling them, I am, I am the Lord your God and none else. We still fight this. We still fight this. I'm telling you, we still fight it, whether we want to or not. Now, I hadn't given you my title, but I will in a few minutes. Now, I want to speak. You know me. I don't want to be unkind, and don't judge me unkind, but I want to be plain. Now, 
In 1 Kings 18, I'm going to just hit a few verses, then I'm going to come back. 1 Kings 18, 27. Elijah's talking. This is Old Testament, so this is physical. And I don't want you to confuse it. Confuse me with what I'm saying. This is physical. 1827, and it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked him. He said, cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking or he, or he is pursuing or he's in a journey or peradventure he sleeps and he must be awakened. So he's telling them. Now, we would say, well, is he being cruel to them? He's just standing there making fun of them. He's just telling them, look. You got a God, maybe he's asleep, wake him up. He's gone on a journey. You're screaming, you're cutting yourself for him. Call a little bit louder. And we said, you know, we can't do that. You know, I'm telling you, they, our world is so wicked and vile and they just do everything imaginable and post it on the media and dare us to say anything about it. We're too passive about this. There's only one God and we need to quit shutting our mouth about it. We are the one. We have the message. God gave us the message. Our people, my people shall never be ashamed. And here he is. I'm telling you, we're still Old Testament. This is physical. He's telling them, look, I'm not going to shut my mouth, Elijah said. He says, you saying you got a God? You think I'm worried about your God? I'll sit there and make fun of your God all day. Where is your God out? I'm fixing to challenge you. I'll show you who the God is around here. And so he takes and he's telling them, oh, you just, you, just, you just see where your God is. Scream a little bit louder. Where is your God at? So he's just telling them. He's just telling them point blank how it is. He's not choosing his words. He's just telling them. He's just said, okay, you want to stand off? I'd be glad to give you a standoff. You want to challenge me? It's done. All right, you just do this. He gave them all day long. He just said, all right, enough's enough. We'll do this. Now, I'm telling you, I am not saying I want to seek, not seek, not, 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 not in, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I want to just try to find their level, seek to their level is what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying I want to do that. All I'm saying, I don't want to shut my mouth when God gives me the opportunity. When somebody is saying, you believe that? You believe that? God give me the boldness of Elijah to say, yes, sir, I believe that. No, I'm not ashamed. This is the truth. God gave us the truth. And then I don't want to be just sitting back and be passive and just in fear I might offend somebody. No, I do not want to purposely offend somebody. But when God gives me the opportunity and gave me the revelation of who he is, he repeatedly told his people, do not look nowhere else. I am the Lord your God and none else. He told them repeatedly time and time again. And why should I sit there and wonder, is there really only just one God? Yes, there's only one God. And I should not shut my mouth about it. I should scream it from the rooftop. God has gave us this message. We do have this message. So he's telling them, jump with me, and, 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 and I'll try not to tear here long. Jump with me with 36. And he said, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant. And that I've done these things at that word. Hear me, O God, I pray, that this people may know that thou art the Lord, thy God, and thou hast turned the heart of the people back again. 38. And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood, stones, dust, and licked up the water 
that was in the trench. Now, the sole meat of the message here, why I believe Elijah could be so bold and just so burning with passion about his message is the end of 36. And it says, I have done all these things at thy word. This is not about me tooting my own horn, giving my own philosophy. Well, I tell you what I think. I've screamed for years. It don't matter what I think. All that matters is what thus saith the Lord. And thus saith the Lord said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and him only shalt thou serve. That's why I said, that's why Elijah could say, Lord, I've done all of this at your word. Stand back, boys. If you don't want to get your eyebrow singed, you better back up a little bit because the Lord God is fixing to prove who's the God around here. So the fire fell, consumed the sacrifice. So that's all I'm saying. That was physical. We have to take that same boldness that he has and apply it to the spiritual realm. Now, I do not want to be misunderstood. Paul said that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but the same aggressiveness that he had in the physical we better have in the spiritual. We better watch what we involve ourselves in, what we allow ourselves to see, what we allow ourselves to hear, because we don't know what we're tampering with. We just do this and do that and think we're all right. And Elijah is saying, no, I'm not going to tolerate this. You want a standoff? I'll give you a standoff. And we just go through this in the spiritual sense and come in here and just say, preach to me, brother boy, I'll be okay. No, I'm not going to be okay. You've got to be aggressive. God said, if you would do this, I will give you the authority. And just as Elijah said, God, I, I've done this. I've done this accordingly. I've prayed all week. I've done what I should. When we walk in here and God's anointed comes to the pulpit, open your spirit because you're fixing to be fed. You're fixing to be filled up. It is not that the garbage that we filled ourselves with the world all week that's crowded everything else. I have emptied myself, and I come in here, and I want to be filled. I desire to be filled. I come in here, as the Bible says, to hunger and to thirst after righteousness. Then I'm going to walk in here and be filled because I have done this according to your word. We have got to be aggressive in a spiritual sense. We cannot play with this. We have got to take it serious. Now, jump with me. I'm, 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 honestly, I'm going to try to be quick. Mark 6, just follow me on the screen. Now, listen to this. Mark 6 and 11. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when ye depart thence, shake off the dust from under, from under your feet. For a testimony against them, for I say unto you. Now, listen to this. It shall be more tolerable if God ever hated, and I'm going to use the word hate, if God ever hated somebody, for it, for it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Do not take that lightly. We have been given a message, and God said, if they, this is the, the ministry to the 12. God said, I've anointed you with the message. And if they will not hear you, you take and shake off the very dust. If my shoes wasn't tied, I'd take them off from under your feet. Now, I'm telling you what that means to me. Dust is our nature. You don't take none of that nature with you when you leave. When you get there, you take off your shoes. 
you get to the edge of the city, you shake that dust off. I will not take none of this nature with me because God said it's so serious that I'm going to even consider Sodom and Gomorrah before I'll even consider that city that rejected me and that I had the message of God, that I had the truth, the revelation of Jesus Christ. God said, don't play with this. Don't play with this. You have been given a message. Take it serious. And when somebody comes to your house and they have a false message, don't let, don't let them leave and say, well, God bless you. Do not bless them. You hear me? Do not bless them. Don't just and just say, that's wrong. I shouldn't do that. You better take the word. Do not bless them. I'm telling you, you better take this verse serious. And I don't mean to be cruel and, 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 and try to seem unkind. But I'm telling you, we better follow the book. When God says, if this message is rejected, I will have more favor for Sodom and Gomorrah, a city that I literally destroyed with fire and brimstone, than for somebody that will reject my message. If you don't find that serious, I don't know what else to do. Because I'm telling you, to me, the dust is nature. It's the nature of the people. Shake it off. Get to the city. You leave that. Do not take, not, don't even take their dust with you. You leave it. You leave it. Don't even take it. Don't even take it. Now, jump back with me. Um, I'm going to hit one more, then I'm going back to where I wanted to. Uh, jump with me to Matthew, Matthew 7. I want to hit one more. Now, he's telling them, Matthew seven twenty one. just um, read with me. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now get this. If you've ever believed anything, believe this. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, if there's anything, one thing, if there's any one thing we have to be committed to, it's this, it's this word, it's this book, it's this message, it's this doctrine. That's why I said the benchmark. It is something that, that it, it, it's just, I, I find a peace about it because I'm not wondering, I'm not wondering what it's going to be like. I can go to church. I don't, I don't have to wonder about what's going to be preached. Is there newfangled doctrine that's going to be presented? I don't have to wonder about that. And he's telling, he's telling them to, to stay with this, to stay with this truth. Do not. That's why I've even used it, and, and I guess I'll just continue to say it. I'm almost, and I hate to use the word paranoid, but I'm almost paranoid to the point about listening to other people and about reading after other people because I'm telling you, I do not want to let no seed, no seed get in here and me thinking, you know, that really sounds like it has some truth to it. You know, that really sounds like it has a little truth to it. Because, you know, and, and I was telling, I think maybe Sister, Sister Deb this. I was wondering when I could use this, and I'll use it now because um, it fits. I hadn't planned on it, but I, I promise I'll be quick. I did masonry for most of my life, and I did this house out, out in, a, in, in um, a remote part, so the people, I cautioned them. 
I said, they was building it as they went. So I poured the concrete, laid the blocks, poured the floor, and I cautioned them, and then the house was going to set. I cautioned them. There was trees and stuff. I said, do not let vines and roots grow between the walls because it'll break the walls. And they looked at me like, you poor thing, how can you even get home? You know, like I was so ignorant. And I told them, I said, listen to what I'm telling you. If you're going to be years down the road, listen to what I'm telling you. So, and then I was just blew off. I mean, I just really, really, truly it was. Just take my word for it. So it was probably, I don't know, over a year later, they called me and said, we need you to come back. So what a, a vine had got in there. They hadn't watched it. And, but what they had told me is in the walls, I had poured them with concrete and put steel. And that's one thing they had told me. The walls is poured concrete with reinforced steel. And you're telling me to watch a little vine. I said, yes, I am. Because I know the other end. From just a work point of view, a vine had come and it grew, and it grew to the size. I measured it, three-quarters of an inch, and it had broke the wall. So um, before I could even get it out, they said, I know this is going to cost us. I said, you're right. You're right. I'm not doing this for nothing. I said, because that's got to be all cut out. All that steel's got to be redialed in. This is going to be a little bit to fix. But they got the point. When they did that second check, they understood what I was talking about. And that's what I'm talking about. I believe I've lost you there for a minute there. Okay, maybe I shouldn't have used that. But, but what I'm talking about is I don't want to listen to nobody and let a little seed get in there and me start thinking, you know what? That makes a little bit of truth. And then just not letting the blood cover it and thinking, you know what? Maybe there is something to that. That's why I don't want to do that. And he's telling them, he says, be committed to this. Now, how would we judge, in all honesty, in our human form, if somebody's just said, if we saw a ministry that was preaching, that was casting out devils. I mean, if we'd literally seen this with our own eyes, was preaching in the name of Jesus, we saw him lay hands on people in the name of Jesus, you come out of there, you devil. We saw him lay hands on people and literally perform miracles. Hey, I'll leave you alone. I would say, man, they got it going on. The Lord really must be and I'm not just saying it just to be saying it. I'm just telling you point blank honesty. But God is saying here, that's why, this is why I say that I am just to the point of being so overly cautious about what I let come in here. Because Jesus is telling us, they are going to stand before me and tell me, we did all this in your name. We did this. We did this. Okay? Here again, I tried to find something on this. I couldn't. So I guess I just got to give you what I get out of it. 
Now, what I get out of this, I need you to stay with me on this. Don't drift off from me. Stay with me. Now, he tells them. They come. He says in verse 21, he says, everybody that says, Lord, Lord, only he that doeth the will of my father. There's no contradiction here. I look at it. He that doeth the will of the spirit, which is in heaven. And then he just says, then he goes through and tells them all of that. And then he's going to say, many will say to me, to me, I'm going to judge them. The verse preceding that, he says, does the will of the father. I'm telling you the same God in heaven that is omnipresent made himself a body and that body standing there he says they're going to stand in front of me and they're going to say to me we've did all of this and now you say you never knew us so what I really what I perceive that to mean is just this in the Old Testament for a man to knew to know his wife was physical Adam knew Eve, and we see the result. Cain was the result. That is the physical side of that. Now, you got to go to the spiritual side of this. He's telling them, they're going to stand there. They're going to say, we've preached, cast out devils, done all these miracles, and now you tell us you never knew us? What I get out of that literally is God means this to me. But you never married me. You never would marry me. And where you marry him is where you go down. It's when you take his name. Because in the Old Testament, God told Israel, Return unto me, for I am married unto you. I am married unto you. They're going to stand there and they're going to say, we did all of this in your name, but you never married me. You would not marry me. And then they, they're going to say, look, look what all we did in your name. And it's just the height of hypocrisy. What would somebody do that had, would see the authority to put their hand on somebody's head that's devil possessed and watch God in the name of Jesus remove that devil and to perform miracles and to just take and do all of this and preach under the anointing of the name of Jesus and then just stand back and say, I'm not taking that name. Ye that work iniquity. Iniquity is not in the name of Jesus. Iniquity is in rejecting the name that's where the iniquity comes in at. He says, ye that work iniquity. So the iniquity comes in is rejecting. You knew the authority. You knew the power that was in my name. You knew what my name represented. And you would not marry me. Ye that work iniquity. You knew all of this. You did all of this. You knew what I possessed. You knew the authority that was in my name. You would not marry me. So therefore, in a spiritual sense, just like the Old Testament, there was no intimacy between me and you. You say you knew me, but I never knew you. God's going to say, depart from me. Depart from me. I never knew you. So they're going to stand and just say, 
We did all of this. We did all of this. We did all of this. But you never would marry me. You never would marry me. You never would. You never would marry me. So he's going to tell them, you never would. Revelations just says it like this, and I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. He's going to tell them, I never knew you. What does the Bible in the New Testament tell us that heaven's prepared for? The bride. The bride. He likes it. He likes it. To the, one of the most closest unions that a man and woman can have between a man and his wife. And God tells him, I never knew you. I never knew you. You did all of this. You knew the power that was in my name. But you wouldn't marry me. So therefore you will depart from me. Because I never knew you. Now, jump with me back. I want to go back to where I was. Go back to Joel. And I'll give you my title. Joel 2.1 says, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For in the day that the Lord cometh, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. And here is my title, The Perfect Pitch. When something's in tune, it's either absolute pitch or perfect pitch. And I chose perfect pitch. We have been given the perfect pitch. The perfect pitch. And he said, blow ye the trumpet in Zion. Put the trumpet to your lips. God has given us the trumpet and we have been given the perfect pitch. Don't sit on this. Don't sit on this. God has given us a message. And don't be passive about this. He says you have the perfect pitch. I have given you this. You have this. In the Old Testament, there was only one person. And that's the high priest. He is the only one that could sound the alarm. Not even the Levites, who was a type of the priest, not even the Levites could take up the trumpet and blow it. But in the New Testament, what does he say? He says, you are a chosen generation. What? A royal priesthood. Pick up the trumpet. Sound the alarm. You have the perfect pitch. That's why I said, don't let nobody intimidate you. Don't let nobody just say, well, you go there, you are there. I can't believe they believe what you believe. Well, it's okay, baby. Give me the spirit of Elijah. We have the perfect pitch. God has given us a message like number four. As he quotes all the time, there is so many sounds that's going out in this world. We are given the perfect pitch. We are not to be bashful. We are not. God said, my people shall never be ashamed. We are given the perfect pitch. You sound the alarm. All these sounds, all these strange sounds that's coming out that says, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. We have the perfect pitch. God has given unto us a trumpet that makes a perfect pitch absolute pitch 
And when we put the trumpet to our lips, God has anointed it. He has given us a message. He said, my people shall never be ashamed if they'll just put the trumpet. If they'll just put the trumpet. And what means so much to me is only the high priest could pick it up. I'm telling the Levites, as sacred as they was in the Old Testament, they could not pick up the trumpet and blow it. But he said, in now, in the day and hour in which we live, you are a royal priesthood. That's why I said, Moses looking back and telling them, just circle the earth. You won't find the people that this has been done to before. We have the, uh, the perfect pitch. We have the testimony. We have the revelation. We can't sit on it. If we sit on it, there ain't nobody else going to say it. We have the perfect pitch. We have the reason to put this trumpet to our lips. We have the message. We know who God is. And more importantly, God knows who we are. He knows where we're at and what we have and in whom we believe. That He knows where we're at and what we believe. We are the ones. God knows where we're at. I'm going to jump real quick. I want to read um, 13 in Joel 2 and 13. And rend your heart, not your garment. It says, turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, great kindness, and repenteth of the evil. As I told you, they was chastised. Um, verse 14. Who knoweth, who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, uh, even a meat offering, a drink offering, and uh, unto the Lord your God. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call for a solemn assembly. Now, I want you to pay, note, pay attention to verse 16. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth out of his chamber, of his chamber, and let the bride come out of the closet. 17. Let the priest, the ministers of the, uh, of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar, and let them say, Spare the people, O Lord, and give thine inheritance, and give not thine inheritance to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore they should say among the people, where is thy God? Now, I'm, 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 I'll, I'll be quick. It says, now he's telling them, Joel is telling them. In the Old Testament, we know the custom where they would literally tear pieces of their garment. That would show an outward, uh, uh, outward sorrow. And Joel is saying, look, we don't have time for that. And I'm not being cruel about that. He said, what God wants, who knows the thought and the intent of the heart, rend your heart, not only your garment. God sees inside of you. It's not this outward, pharisaical, uh, um, uh, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not trying to throw rocks at that, but what God wants to see, Israel, right now, is that you have rent your heart. He wants to see a repentance from the heart. So that's why he said, don't only rent your garment, rend your heart. And in doing so, God will return the, the evil that he thought towards you. Or the words, the judgment that he thought towards you, he was going to do. 16, he says, gather, gather the people. Get everybody. He says, even, gather the elders, the children. And listen to this. Normally, mothers that had young children, he said, they was normally exempt from this. Joel says, we do not have time for this. Tell the mothers that has the nursing children to gather them, to bring them to the house of God. They do not have time. Tell them to gather them in their arms. Those that are still nursing, let them bring them. Let the mothers bring their children with them. The bride and the bridegroom, they was always exempt from this. Joel said, we do not have time for this. They was always exempt from this. 
I'm sorry that you just got married. You have to put this on hold. You have got to go to the house of God. No one was exempted. You gather them all. You go to the house of God. He said, and then he said, let the, the, the priest and the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar, between the porch of the temple and the altar of burnt sacrifice. He says, let them preach. And what that means to me, let the, let, let the, the priest, he said, let the ministers weep between the porch and the altars. Literally. He, he, now, this was Joel. God anointed him to say that. And what that means to me is this. He says, do not let the priest come with the attitude. The people need to repent. He says, you let the priest come and let the priest show the people how to repent. Because when the people see the priest repent and God has moved his heart, it's going to move our heart. And that is what's going to move Israel. When they see the priest weeping between the, the porch and the altar of burnt offering. That is what's going to move Israel. It's not going to be the priest just going through the motion. He says, no, we got to have a priest that is moved, that is weeping, that is going to lead Israel in repentance. And when they do that, the people is going to be turned. Their hearts is going to be turned. And they are going to come back to God. And that's why I believe he was saying he was not trying to scold anybody, let alone the priest of the Most High. He was saying when the priest would lead the people in repentance, then the people's heart is broken. Then they can take among themselves and see the brokenness of the priest. And the priest would lead by example. And that's why he was saying, do this. Now, I'm going to jump. I'm going to leave that alone. I'm going to jump. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump real quick. Turn with me. Um, I'm going to jump to two more verses, 25. And I'll restore unto you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the pommel worm, the great army which I sent among you. And ye shall eat plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. Now, all of this is happening before 28. Everything is happening before 28. So I said we always jump to 28, but there's a lot that went on before 28. Now I'm telling you, God is always about restoration. Now, he takes and he says, 25, if ever there was mercy, 25 is mercy. This is agricultural, so I know you I know. You'll understand this statement. God said, I will restore unto you the years that the locust has eaten. Now, when you read into that, locust, they not only eat the crop that's there. Because in the crop is the seed for the next year. So, man, the devastation that comes to us at times. If you could just picture, we know what corn is. Just in your mind, just picture a beautiful cornfield and then a plowed field. You just, there's times I just, you just feel there's no way to fix this. There's no way to fix it. And at times, I think you're right. Within ourselves, there's just no way to fix it. But God said, I will restore unto you not the year, but the years. But the years that the locust is eaten, not only for what he has eaten, but for the seed that the enemy has ate. 
I will restore unto you. And then he takes in 26 and says, you shall eat plenty and be satisfied. This is a complete opposite of the world and sin. I'm telling you, when you allow yourself, you give in to the lust of your flesh, it is never satisfied, never satisfied, never satisfied. You find yourself, you wanted to go back. You know, somebody on drugs, they just chase that high. And just pardon me for just saying that, but that's just what it is. I mean, you just never can get enough. You never can get enough. Now, this is after the years of devastation. This is after that we think, God, how can this ever be fixed? How can it ever be fixed? I have looked at barren fields for so long, and God said, I will restore it unto you. I don't know. God is God. Quit trying to figure it out for myself. God knows how to do it. He said, I will restore it unto you. And then he says, you shall eat plenty. And not only that, just pardon me, not only is my gut full, I'm satisfied. After years of devastation, God said, if you'll give it to me and allow me to fix it and trust me, then not only will you eat and be satisfied, you will be satisfied. Not only are you full, you're satisfied. You will be. I'm telling you, this is a complete opposite of sin. God has given us this message. It is a perfect pitch with all the sounds that's in our world. That's why I said put the trumpet to your lips. We have this. And it's just as Moses said. And I'll say to you, just go from one side of heaven to the other. You think you're being picked on? Just circle the earth and ask and just see how God really is good to us. For he is good to us. He has blessed us. He's gave us a message with a perfect pitch. So put the trumpet to your lips. God bless you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.